31 years ago, uh, Ginny and I were in the midst of what turned out to be a two-year process of trying to decide, uh, you know, what God had for us and the church that we were leading um, at that time. Uh, the only other church I've pastored in over 40 years of pastoring, you know, that, that one and here, that's it, just the two. But um, we were trying to determine how God was leading us. We were trying to determine the leading of the Spirit is what we were doing. And it's an easy thing to say and to talk about, but not always the easy thing to understand and to follow. And like I said, at, at that point, that was a two-year process for us. Now, many people claim to hear from God and, uh, you know, and even tell you the Spirit told them something or led them in a particular way. Uh, how do we respond to something like that? How should we respond to something like that? How do we determine the leading of the Spirit, you know, from the misleading of desires and impulses or even Satan? How do we determine the leading of the Spirit from the misleading of all these other things that would want to lead us aside and astray? Uh, some people say, just follow your heart. Beep! And the verse that is going to come up in a minute is from Jeremiah chapter 17 says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? You know, so we're just going to follow our heart. You know, who, we can't trust our heart. We can't trust our desires. You know, the impulses, desires, longing of our hearts and our emotions are not trustworthy. Just think back, just think back in your own life a little bit to maybe that, I don't want to get anybody in trouble here, maybe that other special guy or girl that you thought, oh, or, or you know, this, this, this other whatever it might be that you thought, oh, this would be so good. And then you came to find out later, well, this wasn't so good. You see, we can't trust, we can't trust the leading of the heart because the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? The, you know, the impulses, the desires of our heart and the longings of our heart, our emotions are not trustworthy. You know, they're not. When we're talking about the leading of the spirit, it is different than following your heart. Okay, it's different than following your heart. We read a couple of weeks ago, beep. That's working. See, he was on his way up here. We read this a couple of weeks ago as we were studying John. Thank you. Uh, you know, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. The heart is deceitful and wicked. God is greater than our heart. Look at that. And he knows everything. Uh, that's a whole lot. Just in case you were wondering, you know, that's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's that he, he knows and he knows everything. You've heard me say it before and it's something I hope you'll hear me say it, you know, you'll hear me say it more in the years to, years to come. Who knows? Anyway, you'll hear me say it more, but it's something I hope you remember. God is not surprised. He's, you know, he is not waiting for more information to come in. That's what we do. You know, he is not wondering what is best. 
He knows these things. For God knows everything. He knows our heart and he knows everything. So then how do we go about determining what's from God? Well, really, this is what we have to be able to work through. You know, to go about making decisions in life with all of the range of options that we face. You know, as we go through life and making those decisions, how do we determine what's from, what's from God? Should we move? Well, what's God got to do with that? Maybe that's coming through your mind. Uh, but did you ever think about that? Where you live. Is where you live, are you, are you living where you live because this is where you wanted to live or because you thought this is where God wanted you to live? Just a thought for you. That's not just for missionaries. That's not just a question for missionaries. Well, it is, but you see, you're a missionary to your neighborhood. What about where you're working? You know, what did God have to do with that? What about the new job? What about the new car? What new car should I buy? And we get into that thinking and we start thinking because, well, it's, it's just about us and, and, and the kind of car we want. Did you ever think God might want you to talk to a certain particular guy at a dealership that you went to or something you know what about you know what about our neighbors how can i best help my neighbor or is this a cause that god wants me to be involved in we have a neighborhood association and they have a meeting once a year and there's something that's common on the agenda on the meeting every year anybody who wants to serve on the board isn't that a great opportunity to witness isn't that it is i thought what a great thing and i told you last week or two weeks ago my conscience has a name and my conscience said don't you dare sign up for that she says what do you think see my comment my conscience is a female you know and um, and just under five feet tall. And, uh, okay, see, we, we, we can begin to think all of these things are such good ideas. You know, and, and really, you know, it's us and it's, it's our desires. It's our wanting. You know, the Bible gives us guidance so we can determine if something's from God or not. We're going to look at that today. This is not an exhaustive study. On this whole idea of following God, it's what we see here in First John. So let's pray, and we're going to get into our passage for today. Father, thank you for the way you've led, and I thank you for some of the stupid things you've kept me from. And man, we need that. Uh, I, I, I can be a bit impulsive sometimes. I can jump into things that, um, that well, I, I shouldn't. But I also can avoid things that I need to be involved in. I need your help. We all need your help. We need your guidance. We need your direction. How do we respond to people then who tell us they heard from you? How do we respond if we think we've heard from you? Teach us from your word. Teach us from your heart, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. Get there. If you have a Bible, if you have a, you know, your phone or whatever it is you use. Uh, Kent has it memorized, so he's just searching through his mental files right now. But the uh, first John, chapter 4, this flows. Chapter 4, 
the chapter divisions, you know, what John wasn't writing and saying, oh, good place for a chapter division. Uh, he wrote one letter, you know, it just kind of went, it was just kind of, I love the way the Bible's written, rambling thoughts. Uh, okay, maybe that's a little loose description. Uh, but, you know, he lays it all out there later. Somebody thought, I don't know what in the world you're talking about. Well, let's put some numbers in there and stuff. So, you know, the numbers, the chapter divisions and, and verse numbers aren't, aren't inspired like the rest of the Word of God. I know that might shake some of you, but don't let it bother you. Uh, so when John was writing, this all flowed together in the first place anyway. So just, you know, back up for a second to chapter 3, verse 24. That's where we're going to start reading today. As he was writing there, he said, The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. See, he begins to introduce this here. He begins this transition here. And then he goes on to tell what he says in the last half of that verse, how we can recognize what is from this spirit he has given us, meaning the Holy Spirit, not your spirit, you know. Uh, Don't think, well, there it is, all those impulses. No, it's not. That's not it at all. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So pick up chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit who does not confess Jesus is from God is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. You have heard that he is coming and he is already in the world now. Now we're going to pause there for a minute. We're going to pick up with verse 4 in a minute. But this first area to look at when you test the spirits is what do they say about Jesus? What do they say about Jesus? He says, this is how you know the Spirit of God. Everyone who confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. So what is it that they say about Jesus? While God has given us, you know, of his Spirit, not every urge we have is is from God. We will have our own desires and preferences that we need to, you know, that we, we, we need to be aware of. We will face cravings from our own sinful inclinations. We will face, we will receive temptations from the enemy of our soul. So, as it says here, do not believe every spirit. Do not believe every spirit. But the reality is, some leading is from God. Some of it is from God. And we don't want to miss that. So test the spirits to determine if they are from God. That phrase from God here, it appears six times in the Holman Christian Standard. And what, what, it, what it's referring to, what it's drawing our attention to is something that has its origin in God. So when he's talking about from God, it's something that has an origin in God. False prophets are out there, and false prophets do not have the Spirit of God. You know, what they say does not have its origin in God. You know, and they're out there. He says these are out there. So test the spirits, because the Spirit, the spirit of God never contradicts or opposes God. What it says about Jesus will never contradict or oppose what God has already told us about Jesus. You know, it does, it, it, he doesn't do that. The Spirit of God does not lead you away from God, but the Spirit of God leads you closer to God. That's part of the whole reality and call. So take a moment and ask, is this in line with God? With what you're hearing or what you're feeling, is this in line with God? 
Is it in line with his character, with his attributes, with, with his word, with his clear revealed word? You know, is it, is it in line with his will? Now, you know these things as you study the Bible and as you read the Bible and you begin to know these things a little bit more and you begin to understand it. Ginny and I know we can tell you what somebody's what, what each other is going to like and not like. We know that. Why? Because we know each other. You know, in the, in the years that we've been together, we know each other. Uh, you know, and rarely, okay, the only surprise is now, or, you know, when I hide behind the door and she comes and I go, boo. You know, but other than that, you know, it's, it's you know, it, it, it's, 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 we, we know each other. This is how you get to know God. You study his word and you get to know him and you pray and you listen. And you listen to what he says. And he doesn't contradict his word. So is this in line with God? And then ask yourself also, is this bringing me closer to God? You're moving one way or another. You need to realize that. You need to get a grip on that thing. You're either getting closer to God or you're getting further away from God. There is no neutral place. There is no sitting on the fence. Why do I say that? Well, because Jesus, you know, the, the, the Bible tells us we are either for him or against him. You know, those who aren't for those who aren't against him are for him. Those who are, you know, we're, you're either against him or you're for him. There's no sitting on the on the fence. You know, that that's a farce to think that to think that you can do that, that you can be there. That, that's a joke. So you look at these questions. Is it in line with God? Is it bringing me closer to God? If the answer is no, then the spirit is not from God. The Spirit's not from God. It says, you know, that it's important to realize, it's important for us to realize, you know, that this can be a battle, a struggle that's meant to defeat or discourage us. I've told you before, you know, the, 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 the enemy of our souls doesn't have to defeat you. He only has to discourage you. When you're discouraged, who do you think about? Me. I don't think about God. We think about ourselves. You know, when we're discouraged and we think about, you know, either, you know, what a lousy situation this is or what a lousy person I am. I'm not talking to anybody about, about Christ. Why? Because I'm, I'm too bummed out on what, a, you know, either what a jerk I've been or for me I don't deserve this. In Ephesians, he tells us, he says, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. One of the goals of the spirits in this battle is you know, to lead us astray, even just a little bit. Because you know what happens? The longer we continue off, just a, the longer you continue off just a little bit, the further away from God you get. I've never flown a plane. Caleb, you've flown a plane. What happens if you leave Fort Wayne, you're one degree off and you're heading for, let's just say Chicago. Yeah. It's just one stinking degree. Chicago's a big city, for crying out loud. I'll get to O'Hare. It's a big place. You see, God wants us to grow. God wants us to get up. God is lifting us up and wants us to get closer to him. The enemy's fine if we just even plateau. You see, because the longer that goes on, the further we're going to be from where God wants us. We have an enemy who is out to destroy, who is out to discourage us. Yeah, and the longer we the longer we put it put up with that, 
the more buried we're going to be. Confessing, as it says here, that Christ has come in the flesh. Now, that's a, con- that's a confession on a different level than simply agreeing that he was born. Scripture tells us the devil believes. When Jesus comes against unclean spirits in the Gospels, you see a lot of times they say, Whoa, Jesus, you know... Please, you know, leave us alone. You know, don't, don't, don't cast us out. You know, why? they recognize. You see, so it's more, it's more, it's more than simply agreeing. It's more than simply agreeing that Jesus existed. That's 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 not it. You know, when he says they confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, what he's doing—that's an acknowledgement of Jesus' presence and his mission of salvation. You know, for mankind through his sacrificial death on the cross. That's all wrapped up when he says, you know, the confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. When he's talking about that, you know, the, the, Scripture is very clear. Scripture is very clear in this Acts, or excuse me, uh, John chapter 8. He says, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Uh, John chapter 12, he says, I have come as a light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. Now, he's not just talking about somebody who acknowledges the fact that I came, someone who believes in me. You, 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 get, you, you, you don't, if you don't, you're remaining in darkness. To get out of that darkness, it's because you have a relationship with him who is the light, which we looked at earlier in First John here. John chapter 18, he said, Pilate, as he's talking to Pilate, and I think... This is a tragedy here, what we're reading. This is a tragedy. You are a king, then, Pilate said. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and for this I have come into the world, you know, for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate listened to the cry of the people. This is a tragedy that we're reading there. Confessing Jesus Christ came in the flesh is accepting the reality of his mission for my salvation. That's what he's referring to here in John when he says confessing that Christ has come in the flesh. It's that recognition, that acceptance, that entering into a relationship, knowing the reality of his mission for my salvation. But again, as as earlier in the letter, this is about more than simply talking. You know, it's more than simply talking. It includes what is said, but it goes beyond that to living out our allegiances. Everyone in the world is living out their allegiance to God. You say, well, what about my neighbor? He doesn't see That's what I'm telling you. My neighbor who doesn't believe in God is doing what? Living out his allegiance to God that he doesn't have. So he's living out his life, ignoring God. He's living out that allegiance to God. So you look, you know, does, does the tenor of their living corroborate with what they're saying about Jesus? If they're saying that Jesus is Lord, does, they, does their life reflect that? Or does their living contradict what they're saying about Jesus? You know, it, it's one or the other. You know, it's not both. It says that he has come in the flesh. That's a statement against the docetism that was... That was uh, cropping up in the church which said that you know 
I know you think you saw him, but he wasn't real. It was just kind of like an apparition you saw. He wasn't a real being. And Jesus was just this, what we hear today, this idea. Just this thought. It says right there, the spirit of the Antichrist motivates living, that is, against Christ. Anti-against. That is against Christ. And contrast it there to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God motivates living that's in line with, in keeping with Jesus Christ. In keeping with who He is. That's, that comes, the Spirit of God motivates that type of living. It's a living that is a, that reflects His character, His values, His words, His attributes. It's living that reflects who Jesus is and the fact that, the fact that Jesus is, that there's that relationship and, and it has made a difference in my life and in my living. First Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writing to him, he says, now concerning what comes from the spirit, brothers, see, same, same subject there. I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, meaning those who were ignoring God, those who were without God, those that, got, you know, uh, he says, when you were pagans, you used to be led off to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I am informing you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And again, he's talking about more than words. He's talking about what they say and they're living, you know, because somebody could say Jesus is Lord and live like the devil. Then all they've done is lie to say that Jesus is Lord. It's that living that flows from it. And then in, in 1 Corinthians 12, the chapter continues going into the different spiritual gifts that God gives every, every child of God in order to serve the church. Your spiritual gift isn't just for you. It's for the ministry of the body to one another. This is why being part of a church is an important thing because it tells us very clearly in his word here in, in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, uh, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. He tells us about the gifting of the church and those gifts are to minister, to minister to one another for the building up of the body you know, in, in faith. You know, and, and this is what he's talking about here. You know, the spiritual gifts are an evidence. They're an evidence of the claim to have a relationship with God, that it is indeed true because your living is affected by your relationship with Jesus Christ, you see. That's really what the spiritual gifts are because your living is affected by the, your relationship with Christ and it, and it makes a difference here. Every spirit that does not live in line with it, it says, in line with Jesus, you know, is not from God. The spirit of the anti-Christ, those opposed to Christ. What do they say about Jesus? You know, what do they say about Jesus? Don't follow guidance that is against God. Don't follow guidance that draws you away from him. Let's pick up again in John. Chapter 4, verse 4, drop down to there. It says, you are from God, little children. Term of endearment that he uses. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We, we need that verse. You need the reality of that verse. The, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us, and anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. From this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. So another test he gives us here to test the spirit is to look, what does the world think about them? 
What does the world think about them, about what they're saying, about how they're living? These, these verses, look, they, con, they contrast the world there. They are from the world in verse 5, verse 6. We are from God. There's the contrast there. When he says the world, he, he means that system, that way of living that ignores God, that dismisses God, that God doesn't... I don't know if you saw this on the news or not. Um, that the will of God has nothing to do with what this Congress decides. That's not an exact quote, but that gets you the idea. Uh, one of our congressmen stood up after somebody talked about God and said the will of God has nothing to do with this Congress. Well, let's not get into that. Um, yeah, but but you know, what you know, what does the world? So when he's talking about the world, that's what he's talking about—a way of living that ignores and dismisses God. They don't always have to say it. They don't always have to say it. It's the living. What's the living showing? How are they living this out? You know, these verses contrast what's from the world, meaning that system, and what's from God. We're told to conquer these spirits that are, that are from the world. The desires, suggestions, you know, any guidance that draws you away from God. He says, conquer these things. Now, a big, a big, a big one that falls in line with, with this right here um, is that desire for self-dependence. That desire for self-dependence, you know, and and I think as Americans we might struggle with this a little bit more than some others, you know, because sometimes sometimes it comes across as independence. You can't tell me what to do. You know, you you can't tell me what to do, or you know, or we're standing up for our rights. Here's the don't be sucked in to that. Because when I say I'm committed to Christ, that's who I'm following. And yes, he can tell me what to do. In fact, I really want him to tell me what to do. Sometimes I'd, I wish he'd kind of write it out in the sky or, you know, or yell down from heaven. Turn, dummy. Uh, you know, but the, whatever, whatever it might be, whatever it um, you know, and, and uh, Paul said, I've, I've surrendered my rights. I've given my rights up. Why? Because I've given them to Christ. I've given them to Christ. And it's not about me, but it's about what God wants me to do. And uh, to the Corinthians, he wrote, he says, if, if others have this right to receive benefits from you, don't we even more? However, we have not made use of this right. What? We have not made use of this right. Instead, we've endured everything so that we will not hinder the gospel. Don't let fighting for your rights blur and get in the way of the gospel. Don't let chasing your desires dirty up and hinder the gospel. Galatians, Paul writing to him says, I say then, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not overcome, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. That's what we're talking about. In 
uh, John, he says, you know, that, that, that we're overcoming. You know, you have, you, are, you have conquered them, he says. Um, over, overcoming any desire, you know, to live against or independent from, from God is conquering them. You know, conquered, overcoming any desire opposed to or independent from Christ. That's what he's talking about when he says, little children, you have conquered them. You have overcome these desires that, that want you to be independent. There's the problem. Independent from God. I don't want to be an independent free being. I enjoy the freedoms we have in this country, and in that regard, yes. But I don't. I want to be dependent upon God. I do not want to be free from God. And when he says, you know, that you've overcome these, you've conquered these, you have conquered them, that's overcoming any of those desires to live independent from him. You know, living in obedience to Christ rather than following another, which includes marching to the beat of your own drum, that's a little harder for some of us than others. I don't mind. I don't. I. I. I, I sometimes just don't mind um, doing my own thing, and I have to be careful. I have to be careful that doing my own thing is not opposed to God. You know, as we grow in Christ, our desires need to more and more come in line with His character, with His, you know, who He is. Our, our desires are a large part of what He transforms. When it says He will give you the desires of your heart, and we think, Ooh, pour it onto me. No. He will remold the desires of your heart. He will give you those desires. The desires of your heart will be because he gave you those desires to live for him. I didn't have that desire before. I didn't. I did not have a desire to please God. I did not have a desire you know, to get into his word. I did not have a desire you know, to, to live in a way that he wants me to. I did not have a desire to financially support the church. I did not. I didn't have. He gave me new desires. What did he do? He gave me the desires of my heart. You see, don't read that in a selfish way that he's going to give us whatever we want. No, look at it in that molding, transforming way that he is giving us the desires. He is remolding those things. That's what he transforms. You know, when we're dependent on Christ, we have all the strength we need, you know, to overcome any temptation. Why? Because Christ is greater than any of the temptations we encounter. Verse four, look what he says. The one who is in you. Important word, is. The one who is in you. Not the one you have to wait for. The one who is in you. The presence of Christ in us right now. Not something we have to wait for. Well, when God tells you know, God's sometimes screaming and we got so much other stuff going on we don't hear it. Jenny and I were, when we were in the car yesterday, and I was saying something to her, and the radio was on and stuff, and uh, she reaches over, she turns the radio off. She said, I can only have so many things coming in at once. That's our problem, you see. We say we can't hear God. Why? Because we have too many things coming in that we're paying more attention to or that we're letting drown out what God has to say. The one who is in you. 
You know, what is, what is from God is contrasted to what's from the world. Uh, false prophets, they only have the world's wisdom. That's all they have. You know, they speak from the world's viewpoint, a viewpoint that excludes God, that, that uh, you know, God's person, God's uh, position. Uh, you know, they resent the fact that, you know, he is God. The world's wisdom rejects God, rejects any of God's moral authority, you know, in, over any aspect of their life. That's... That's what the world talks about there. The world, a part of humanity, you know, that prefers to walk in darkness, those that reject the gospel of Christ or pervert it to varying degrees, you know, that's what he's talking about here. You know, and if in some area it seems to agree with God sometimes, you know, their morals, it's not an acknowledgement of God, you know, but it's a pride in what they see as their own wisdom. You know, and what they could figure out. The contrast between what's from the world and what's from God becomes more obvious as we grow in him. You know, those with a relationship with God, his children, listen to those who speak and live from God and his word. In line with his character, his being, his attributes, you know, his desires. When we hear teaching about the, you know, about the gospel of Christ, we can, we should, measure it against what we have in the Bible. You know, what does he tell us? The teaching about what the apostles, those who were with Jesus, what is it that they said? You know, they were eyewitnesses. They very specifically were picked by Jesus. Why? To witness, to give us his word, to give us a witness so that we we would have about who he is and what he said and what he did. Not everything done by people claiming to be a Christian is necessarily of the Holy Spirit. Just because they claim to be a Christian. Any teaching that, that contradicts or is inconsistent with the New Testament should not be accepted as truth from God's people. No matter who says it. If it contradicts what we see in the Bible, it should not be accepted as from God. Some claim that, you know, we, this is good for them, but we've grown We've grown from that. This whole barbaric thing of, of this sacrifice of a, of a body and blood, this whole barbaric thing, we, you know, we don't need anything like that. It, um, that's a grave misunderstanding of the seriousness and the destructiveness of sin. It, it, you know, it, it's, it's putting man's opinions higher than God's clear word. Hebrews chapter 9 says, According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Without, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You're not working for it. You're not earning it. It's a gift from God through the shed blood of Christ. Romans chapter 3, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. Through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. First Corinthians 15. For I passed on to you as most important what I received, that Christ died for our sins. He died for our sins. According to the scripture, First Peter chapter 3, verse 8. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all. Suffered for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God, uh, being put to death in his fleshly realm, made alive in the spiritual realm. Revelation chapter 1. And from, from uh, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has set us free from our sin by his blood. Believe and follow the Bible, not what religious people say. 
follow the Bible, not what religious people say is a new and more enlightened way, you know, and also claims by society here that any constructed morality that ignores and denigrates the Bible, you know, that disparages the Bible, any any morality that, that ignores the Bible and instructions of relativism or what seems right or what seems good, you know, to society, uh, that is from the world and should be rejected by God's people. We follow his word, his truth. These are from the world, he says. So, you know, you'll see them, you'll see the world embrace those who preach the new way. Why? Because it's more palatable. There's, you know, specific people come to my mind, you know, that that have left and followed the way of Oprah, among others. You know, and Oprah preaches a spirituality that is devoid of God. And Rob Bell now preaches a spirituality that is devoid of God. And not in line with what the Bible says. And there's others, you know. You, you know I, I shouldn't even have started to listen, but you know, it's just some. It, you know, it, it's not simply you know looking and does the world embrace their teaching, but what is the spirit saying? What is the spirit saying? You know, is it from is it from the world and its passions, meaning those desires, those things that exclude God? You know, or, or is it from God? That's which is in line with His Word, in line with His character, in line with His attributes, in line with His being, in line with what He's told us. How do we know what's from God? Test the spirits. What do they say about Jesus? What is the world's response to them? I long for the day when the world will respond once again to the call of Christ as opposed to the call of man and the desires of man. Just real quick, let me give you a reminder. John is writing to the church. He is writing to the church. And while you, while you can and certainly should test the spirits you know, of the, of the person who comes knocking on your door wanting to talk to you about God, you know, or the co-worker who tells you something, you know, well, God told me, uh, you know, um, but I would tell you also, use the ministry of the church, you know, and you look at that, you know, what, how does what they're saying measure up with the historical understanding of who Jesus is? You know, how does it measure up with the historical understanding of who Jesus is? You know, how is it, how, how is their teaching, you know, in line with or where does it differ from the historical understanding of, of what God tells us? Embrace, embrace what is from God. Do not embrace what is opposed to God and what leads you away from God. What do they say about Jesus? What is the world's response? A couple of things John tells us here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, the reality of your word and truth. And we have seen it unfold over and over again. And even sometimes in which we, we didn't think. We didn't, um, we didn't get to the place where we um, 
where we weighed what we we need to weigh everything that comes into our life against you and your word and your truth. Don't let us. Wow. Sometimes we think we got a handle on this, and uh, certainly um, there are times which we which it seems almost natural and what a great gift that is that sometimes we naturally would follow you but help us to not just barge ahead help us to remember um, who we serve who we live for who we walk with who it is that uh, we have surrendered our rights to you the God of all creation the God of all love the God who gave himself so we could be forgiven Keep us in your will, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.